Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay with God podcast. I am your host, Midge Noble, and today we have a return guest, Tina Wood, who was with me last week, where we got to know a little bit about her coming out in faith journey and a sneak little snippet on the 1946 documentary. And today we're going deeper with Tina, and we are going to learn even more about her integral part in making this documentary a little bit better than it would have been because she was able to search for and find a key person in the documentary. So Tina Wood grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee and went to college at Boston University. In her adopted home state of Rhode Island, she was involved in a successful effort to pass several pieces of pro-LGBTQ state legislation over the years. And she also runs the email list for LGBTQ News from Rhode Island. She has volunteered as a search angel who helps adoptees, birth families, and others who are searching for family and friends over the past several years. In 2018, at the request of Kathy Baldock and Ed Oxford, she was able to find Reverend David Sheldon Fearon, who had written a series of letters challenging the translation team of the Revised Standard Version of the Bible on their usage of the word homosexual. Reverend Fearon's letters are discussed in the upcoming documentary, 1946, The Movie, and Kathy Baldock's upcoming book, Forging a Sacred Weapon, How the Bible Became Anti-Gay. I am so excited to have Tina Wood back in the Gay With God house, and we're going to go deeper with Tina Wood. Why? Because I wanted to. (laughs) I so wanted to hear more. And if you guys are able to ever see the interview between Kathy Baldock and um, Reverend Fearon, it is amazing. And you'll see a snippet of Tina talking about her being a search angel and being a part of that whole Finding David, which is a critical part, everybody. This is a critical part of the of the documentary that that Tina could actually find the person that um, was a seminarian. So I wanted her to have more than the than the time that she was given uh, because the, it was a, a a limited time. It was all about David, and that's the way it should have been. And yet, as I was listening to that, I thought, man, that is just so much so much juice right there. We've got to get Tina back until go deeper, tell the rest of the story. So that's exactly why she's here. So Tina, thank you so much for being yet again in the gay with God household. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah. You are so welcome. So what I'd like to do, I know that some people may not have heard your podcast from last week. And even if they did, we we did a really nice overview just of you as a person and your faith journey and honoring that story and where you landed uh, spiritually. And so 
And we talked a little bit about the 1946 and a little bit about search angels. But for those who haven't heard it yet, I'd like us to just pretend that we didn't do that for right now. (laughs) And for those of you who haven't seen the segment, meet Tina Wood. Please go back and listen to that because she's worth listening to just anyway. And then um, today we'll just go a little bit deeper into the 1946 movie. So I guess my first question might be, how did you even become aware of this documentary movie? And and take us through the journey of how you got involved and how that all worked out in your mind. How did that work out? Hmm. Well, I guess the first part of that is meeting Kathy Baldock. Um, and we first met on Facebook. Um, we didn't meet in person until years later. And um, she is wonderful. For those who haven't heard of her work, she is a straight evangelical Christian who took a journey and became not only totally affirming of LGBTQIA people, but mm-hmm. an advocate and, and really a warrior and a rock star advocate. Wow. She is fearless and she has more energy in, in her 60s than I've had in 20 years and, <laughs> you know, or more. And she's just wonderful and everybody should look up her work. Uh, her her organization is called Canyon Walker Connections because she likes to hike. She lives in Nevada and hikes all the time. Okay. And her first book is called Walking the Bridgeless Canyon, which I highly recommend. It's long, but it's a good read. Kathy researched all the clobber passages that we're all familiar mm-hmm. with. And mm-hmm. all kinds of, of work has, you know, is very convincing that that the use of the word homosexual in First Corinthians, whatever those verses are, mm-hmm. it's a mistranslation. It's a bad translation. A lot of people have done work on that. But she wanted to find out why did they, well, actually her friend Ed really wanted to find out how how did uh how did this happen basically why did they choose to do this for the first time ever in a translation and mm-hmm. ed found out ed oxford her her co-researcher found out that the archives are housed at yale university the archives of the translation team and uh, the leader of the team a man named dr luther weigel ed decided he wanted to go and look in these archives to find out if they could find anything you know that showed why they did that and kathy's like i'm going with you I live like two hours from Yale and I had not met Kathy yet. So I'm like, I'm going to come meet you. you know? So it all worked out very well in, in terms of that. We had a, a lovely time. It was actually the day before they made the big discovery, which mm. was, um, I should back up. They they researched really hard for, for two days. Uh, there were so many papers. Uh, this man saved everything. There was like grocery lists. I mean, all sorts of things. There was... <laughs> you know, correspondence about, oh, congratulations on your new baby, all sorts of stuff. I mean, <laughs> and nobody had looked through it. Like there was there was rusted paper clips and that kind of thing. So you could tell oh, yeah. papers had bled into the one below them. And there was also a bunch of reels of microfilm. Wow. And uh yeah, so so on the third day, as it were, they they found what they were looking for on the microfilm, which was a series of letters that were written in nineteen fifty nine from a seminarian from Canada. And he basically said, you know, I'm writing to, you know, tell you that this was a bad translation and it's really going to hurt gay people and gay Christians who would die for their faith who, you know, Mm -hmm. and at at first Dr. Weigel wrote back and basically said, well, this is why we did it. Just kind of dismissed what he said, even though it was a very detailed letter. And, you know, I think Kathy said, three pages uh single space with an appendix of two pages wow this man was a serious serious scholar so Mm -hmm. there was an exchange back and forth and you know he wouldn't back down and in the third letter back from dr weigel he said we're going to put your letters in in a file and next time that we revisit the translation we're going to take this into consideration because you've made some really good points 
And uh, in fact, they did. In the next translation, they changed it to sexual perverts, which is a little more neutral. He had suggested some other language, but language also shifts over the years. There's there's that. Um, so Kathy and Ed found found these letters and mm-hmm. they were so incredibly moved. You'll see the mm-hmm. moment in, in the documentary because they took someone with them to film in case oh, they could find great. something. Oh, great. Oh, yes. cool. Yes. Cool. So you will see that moment of them being, oh, my God. Wow. This is amazing. And uh so the word sexual pervert, even though it's offensive, because we know that they were moving from homosexual mm-hmm. to sexual pervert. So there was still that that little twitch that, that you yeah. feel when you get called that. But what you're saying is, I think, is that all people can be sexual perverts. Right. And it's right. not it's not gay specific. It is just right. anybody who engages in sexual perversion in yeah. some form or fashion. And yeah. And as and I think we mentioned this last time that, um, you know, statistically, gay people are not the pedophiles. I'm not saying there's not there's not any, but (laughs) but I'm saying that by large, if you look at the statistics, it's the straight white married males Mm -hmm. who are sexual perverts in the way of pedophilia. So I can see why that would have been a little bit better, because then it was more inclusive Mm -hmm. to include any any gender, any sexuality however Mm -hmm. uh still not where we'd like it to be (laughs) right right. that's for another day (laughs) right so so kathy uh when i when i visited with them when they were researching at yale we had a really nice conversation and um i told her about my work as a search angel which that's a generic term for people who help adoptees and birth families who are searching and other people who are searching told her not to brag but i'm actually pretty good at it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean i'm (laughs) I'm not the best in the world, but we all do different things. And uh, so she knew I knew how to do this. She and, and Ed asked me after a while, after they got the letter and, and, you know, told people briefly about it, hiding some of the details because she really wanted to protect the author. Mm-hmm. Should we find him? She's mm-hmm. like, can you find this man? And I said, okay, Kathy, I will try because Canada is really hard to search in. In, in mm-hmm. the U.S., there are these databases that we use that are great, but in Canada, they really protect their citizens' privacy a lot more than we do. It's, mm. you know, a, both a legal and a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. So all she had was was the name that he used in the letter, which was David Sheldon. And for a long time, she didn't even publicize that part of the name because mm-hmm. she was trying to protect him. He had a P.O. box in Lenoxville, Quebec, which is just this small town. And uh, I'm like, well, okay, there's no street address. There's a name. Let me see what I can do. Oh, it took such a long time because... Uh, we did not know at the beginning that that's actually Sheldon was actually his middle name. He disguised his name when he wrote the letters because he was a seminarian and he didn't want anyone to find out he was gay. So, you know, because he might have lost his his chance to be a minister if that uh-huh. had happened. It was his mother's P.O. box back in his hometown. He was actually when when he wrote the letters, he was in seminary in Montreal as a freshman. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm sure she forwarded the letters from the P.O. box. I started digging in, in the most obvious place for me to dig is that there's a university in Lenoxville called Bishop's University in Canada. So the first thing I did was I wrote to them and I said, hey, you know, I, I'm researching the person who wrote this letter in some, in some archives in Yale University. I always mentioned Yale when I inquired with librarians and whatnot, you know, because it sounds important because it is. So. Yeah. So I said, and, you know, the name that I have is David Sheldon from Lenoxville, Quebec. And did you ever have a student of this name? I'm trying to find him. And uh, the librarian wrote back pretty quickly and said, no, I'm sorry. We never had a student of that name. And I'm like, 
man, that was my best lead. What am I going to do now? <laughs> I'm like, okay, um, I gotta, I gotta widen the search. So I, I did a lot of Googling looking for a minister of that name. There was, there was somebody that Kathy and I both found who turned out not to be the right person. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, is there anybody else? Is there this? And I, I have a friend who lived in Montreal for several years and then moved back to Rhode Island. I asked him, did he know any gay librarians or anybody who might have lived near that small town in Quebec? And he didn't. It's like, okay, um, I don't know what to do. So I there's there's another university that's close to there uh, that's a French-speaking university. And I wrote to them, and I don't speak French. That's, you know, another issue of searching in Quebec. Yeah. Um, there's some serious cultural and political issues around people using the French language in Quebec. That, you know, it, it's a very, if you can't speak it, they they like that you acknowledge that you wish you could speak it and and whatnot. So, so I wrote to to that university, didn't hear back, and I did apologize at the beginning. I'm sorry, I don't speak French, but you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to use Google Translate in case it, it wrote something really stupid, like sometimes yeah. it does. Yes. <laughs> um, so I didn't hear back from them. I I I'm like, well, maybe this guy was Catholic. I kind of assumed at first that he was because you know, seminarian and and French Canada. Well, he's probably Catholic. So I, I think I, I wrote to the Catholic Diocese, didn't hear back from them. I, I I may have written to McGill University. I'm not sure, but I I checked with various librarians. There were various religious archives in Quebec. And uh, I also, I, I looked for um, anybody, you know, I, I, I do genealogy <laughs> research is how I ended up helping adoptees. And so I'm like, okay. Let me see if anybody has a family tree of of this family in Quebec named Sheldon. I found a big family of that name in Quebec and uh, somebody had a a pretty good family tree on one of the sites. And I wrote to the person with the tree and said, you know, do you do you have a relative of this name who might have been in seminary in in the late 1950s? And I did not hear a word back. And I'm like, well, maybe they didn't get the email or I was kind of thinking, well, if this guy was gay, which Kathy and I both figured he probably was. Because who else would be interested in this in the first right. place, especially right. during that time period? I'm like, well, maybe if they had, if this guy was gay, maybe the family like, you know, disowned him and they don't want to hear anything about it. So <clears> I was <throat> very careful when I made these inquiries and just di- didn't hear back from the person who owned the family tree. I found people on Facebook who had that last name who were from that area. And I wrote to several of them. And the thing about reaching out to people on Facebook, and some people don't know this, is... um if you're not actually connected to the person on Facebook as as a, a Facebook friend, they usually send the message to a separate folder in your inbox in Facebook. And if you don't know where to look for that, you probably won't ever see it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah, that's been a huge problem in these adoption searches, as you might imagine. People oh, yeah. send a message and then, you know, they never see the message. So as far as I know, none of those people ever saw my messages. And because uh. I'm like, wow, you know, because, you know, you get a, a check mark if someone sees your message on Facebook. Uh-huh. So I was just having the worst time with it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And Kathy, of course, is like, you know, you got to find him. And I'm like, I'm trying. I really am. I really reached out to so many different ones and they tried so hard to help me. But, you uh-huh. know, it's just not there right Mm -hmm. so i finally i'm like well kathy could you show me the letters maybe there's some clues in it maybe he was really american and was up there for some reason i don't know so she and ed agreed to show me part of the letter so i I could see and i'm like i'm like well he used all the canadian spellings you know they add an extra u sometimes in Mm -hmm. in words like favorite or whatever you know what i'm talking about and um 
I'm like, okay, well, he was definitely Canadian. He was consistent on spelling words that way. And the language did not sound Catholic to me. So I'm like, okay, I don't think he's Catholic. And he, he made it clear in the letters that this Bible would be very important in the Protestant and Reformed traditions. And I'm like, okay, then he's definitely Protestant. And I don't think he's Anglican either because he doesn't sound like that. Because mm-hmm. they tend to be kind of deferential to Catholic theology in some ways. And so I'm like, all right, I it's probably United Church of Canada then. Because like in, in Canada, a lot of the different um, Protestant denominations came together as a United Church of Canada. That's why it's called that, because it united several different denominations. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I know somebody who is a minister in United Church of Canada who's a lesbian. Her name is Judith, and I've known her online for many, many years. I did get to meet her one time when I was up in Nova Scotia, where she lives. Judith was on vacation at the time I fought to ask her. So I'm like, when you get back, send me a message because I have a, a complicated question to ask you. And she did. And so I'm like, okay, here's the story. And I, I wrote a really, really long email to her saying, you know, I'm really out of my depth here. I <laughs> Most Americans don't know that much about Canada. I know a little more than, than most Americans about Canada. Mm-hmm. But even so, there's plenty of cultural stuff that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, so I'm, I'm really at a loss here. I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking he probably is gay clergy if he's still alive, which we didn't know because, you know, the time period that he lived, he could easily have contracted AIDS at some point. You know, mm-hmm. I had even in the process of researching this, I had looked up a directory of Canadian quilt panels in case there was somebody who had that uh. name and there was not. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Judith, please help. Is there, is there like a, a network of gay clergy in, in the UCC, that, which is not the same as the UCC in the U S in the United church of Canada. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I did not know this, but Judith actually is from Quebec herself because the entire time I've known her, she has lived in Nova Scotia. And so it didn't even occur to me that she was from Quebec. And if Mm -hmm. I had known that in the first place, I probably would have gone directly to her, but I just didn't know. Yeah. So she wrote me back in bullet points after my long, long email. (laughs) I I reread the email the other night and I was just laughing at it again because I'm like, yeah, I'm so long winded. Here she goes with bullet points, literally. <laughs> and so I'm I'm like I had mentioned that same French university that I mentioned a few minutes ago. She said, first of all, forget about that. He wasn't French Canadian, so no, that's not it. But the two main things in, in her bullet points that, that struck me was I'm sure that, you know, he would have gone to bishops. That had to be it, because you know, just Lennoxville, it's just too specific otherwise. And she said, and also if he was in the ordination stream, he he might have used a fake name. It it would have been, you know wise to do that when i got that message because i had kind of been thinking the same thing maybe he used a fake name um my ex has been doing gay history in rhode island which is where i live uh for a while and and during roughly the same time period there was a an organization that started in rhode island and everyone who started the organization had used a fake name ah and the fake names that they used were very close to their real names if somebody's name was jane then they they put gene uh-huh. And and some other last name that sounded like their last name so that they wouldn't forget. Yeah. So I'm like, man, so this guy, he was at Bishop's and he, he used a fake name. What am I going to do? I'm like, wow. And she's like, if I were you, I would contact the Alumni Association there. I said, OK, well, so I Googled the Alumni Association. And luckily, so luckily, or, you know, sweet serendipity, as, as uh-huh. the song goes, they had scanned their yearbooks. And I'm like, OK, 
well, I guess what I'm going to do is go through these yearbooks and look for anybody that Kathy always laughs at me when I say this, that sounds gay. <laughs> <laughs> like there was, there was somebody who, um, who was like into musical theater stuff had, mm -hmm. you know, in his list of activities, he directed the drama or whatever. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I bet this guy is gay. Now I researched that guy and, and he is, oh, but well. he's, he's not our guy, but I, I was right. Though, right. <laughs> Thing. So, yeah, so I, you know, I, I went through, I'm making notes, this person appears to study theology, you know, whatever, and turning virtual pages, making notes, some people to research later, such mm -hmm. as that guy. Mm -hmm. And then I turn the virtual page and I see someone named David Sheldon Furon. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> and I was just like, oh that just God. gave me chills. It really, it was like that. I couldn't believe it because you know how when you think you see something and you're like, you're not sure if you just saw that. Uh -huh. And I'm like, did I just see what I think I just saw? <gasps> I did. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So I, I, <laughs> I immediately started researching this man and I'm like, yes, this fits. He's a, he's a United church minister. Yes, this fits, this fits, this fits. And then I, I'm like, okay, I've got to find him. And I found him on Facebook and he and I had a mutual Facebook friend. And I'm like, yes, this has to be it. This has to be it. Because the mutual Facebook friend is, is another gay person who's interested in, in religious inclusion. Although it turned out that's not actually why they knew each other. But I'm like, it has to be. It has to be. It has to be. And and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, normally I'm a night owl. I, we're recording this in the morning and long yeah. story about that. But um, <laughs> I've been up all night looking at this because that's what I do. And mm -hmm. I... I sent Kathy an email right before I went to bed. I said, okay, Kathy, I'm pretty sure this is it. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure. And this is why. And I, I told the whole story of reaching out to Judith and this, that, and the other. And she was like, you know what? I think you're right. I think this is the guy. And so she emailed me and said, yep, I'm going to wait, you know, until it's it's time, you know, because it was way early. She gets up early and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm going to call him when it's, you know, it's an okay hour to call. And, and she did. And he answered the phone and and she's like, "Hi, I'm I'm Kathy Baldock and I'm I live in Nevada and I'm I've been doing this research on you know the RSV translation and you know she's like and and we found this letter and it was it was signed David Sheldon and I'm wondering if you're the person who wrote the letter and he's you know this was like 60 years later and he's like why yes I am <laughs> wow <laughs> and yeah I mean and apparently he had like you know pretty much just forgotten about it i mean not completely but you know you move on with your life it had been that mm -hmm. long right mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. but of course it all came to him in a flash when when she asked that question and he yeah. didn't even have copies of the letter i mean you know he had of course not he, you know it's yeah. been 60 years almost so mm -hmm. so yeah um that's that's how that happened and Which, uh, so how long from the time that Kathy said, can you find him mm -hmm. to the time that you found him? How long did you search and all the different and how long how long did it take? It took me nearly a year. Now, it wasn't like I was. Wow. Doing, it wasn't like I was doing it nonstop because I was running out of ideas. I was like, uh -huh. well, I can try this. I was I was hoping some of those people I wrote to named Sheldon would get back yeah. to me. They never did. And I yeah. Mean, I even followed one on, on Facebook who calls himself beer drinking Nick. And you would think somebody <laughs> calling himself beer drinking Nick would, would be, you know, <laughs> more open to reading a message for someone, but he did not. So 
okay. He's but, drinking. Yeah, he's not so. reading. He's drinking. So. <laughs> but like he had, he had his Facebook was open for anyone to comment on. So I posted a comment. Hey, I sent you a message. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't see it though. But I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well. Um. So yeah, I, I I was running out of ideas, and I was even thinking, well, maybe I have to go up there. But I'm like, I don't, I don't speak French. How am I going to do this? You know, that's right. I, do yeah. I need to hire a professional genealogist? But how in the world would they do it? I don't know. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm trying, you know, it's, I'm living my life in the meantime, just doing whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, but but yeah, it took that long, almost a year because it was it was August and they had done the research in the previous September. So, yeah, it took a long time. And uh, so so once Kathy had that part of the story, she started including it in her presentations mm. and she's done several uh there's one that it that is on YouTube that's in two parts. I sent you the link mm-hmm, before, and mm-hmm. maybe you can post Very it. Very good. Photos. Okay. And uh, that ends up being like a total of seven hours long because that goes into deep detail. It and that that one on on YouTube she recorded right after I found him and right ah. after she had spoken to him, so it's fresh. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, but she's mentioned several other. But uh, how the documentary comes in, Rocky, the documentary Rocky Rogio is her name Sharon is her real name but she went by or still goes by Rocky but but now it's listed everywhere as Sharon Rocky Roggio anyway um so Rocky her father is a non-affirming minister and lives in New Jersey and she was already she works in the film industry herself in some kind of technical uh thing you know and uh she was she was already planning to do a documentary about her relationship with her father and you know how they've had this tension and and mm-hmm. gone back and forth about it and mm-hmm. she lives in Los Angeles and Kathy was doing a presentation there and it happened to be the same weekend her parents were coming to visit her and so she took them to the presentation with her Kathy talked about finding Reverend David and and the letters in this presentation and Rocky was like wow you know I think I think I need to switch my documentary to being about this. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actually footage in the documentary of, of her dad getting up and questioning Kathy. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's and, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so she started, she asked Kathy permission. Can I follow you around? I want to do this documentary. And, and after a while, Kathy agreed and uh, they started filming and then the pandemic happened. Uh-huh. So, um, and I think, you know, she kind of had to take some different texts as she worked on telling the story. And it's several stories to tell, actually, um, because there's the story of Kathy and how she became affirming, told briefly, because it's a very interesting story. And so mm-hmm. the Kathy has a, a good friend who's a lesbian and, and she met her because she was going hiking and always seeing the same woman on the trail. And she's like, hey, can I can I walk with you? And they became friends. And she, you know she knew this woman was a lesbian and she became such good friends with her that she started to realize, well, you know, how could, how could God not love this woman that I love so much, you know? And so that's when she started to dig deep and, you know, it was a process of her becoming affirming. So her friend is actually in the documentary. Netta is her name. Wonderful woman. I got to meet her at the premiere. Oh, nice. And uh, so there's Kathy's story. There's Ed's story because he really struggled, um, he was really involved in, in church things, Campus Crusade for Christ, things like that. And he really, really struggled with the clobber passages. And he wanted mm-hmm. to find out, is this really what it says? And so he 
has been collecting old Bibles and Bibles in other languages and learning as much as he can. So, you know, his stories in the movie and then Rocky's story of her relationship with her father and then David's story coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it intersperses several clips from uh, from Kathy's interview with him in Seattle and, uh, you know, other a lot of other original footage that, that Rocky and her team filmed. And it's mm-hmm. just really, really, really good. And so mm. um, so I got to meet David in 2019. It was at uh, the Conference for the, the Reformation Project, which mm-hmm. is a, an organization that works on LGBTQIA inclusion in, in the conservative churches. Matthew Vines is the founder of that. He's he's somebody that, you know, if people have not heard of him, they he wrote God and the Gay Christian. I think that's that's the the book he wrote. So that's his organization. And I I knew that David was coming to this, and I'm like this this is probably honestly the only chance I'll have to meet him. And as it mm-hmm. as it turned out, that was true. Mm. So I really wanted to meet him because wow, how cool is that? And, yes. Uh, and so Kathy did this hour and a half interview with him at the conference, and they brought me up on stage briefly to to very briefly tell the story I've just told you, not so briefly. <laughs> yay exactly the way i wanted it <laughs> uh-huh. and uh he's he was a lovely lovely man lovely humble man is, is how i told my brother when he wrote to me that day it's definitely worth watching that interview and um mm-hmm. just such such a good good man kathy says mm-hmm. he's like he's like the perfect combination of a wonderful pastor and grandfather basically mm-hmm. just, yeah so rocky did several interviews and business with him during the process and and also kathy and ed and she did interview me for for the doc, but, you know, that just it didn't really the stuff I had to say in the interview didn't really fit with the story that she eventually told. And that's fine. Right. Yeah. He did put me in the credits and in nice. a very brief. Yeah, a very brief clip in the credits of, of me actually on the stage in, in Seattle, making people laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I described mm-hmm. something. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm fine with that because, you know, it, it's not my story to tell. It's It's these folks story. And that's totally fine. Yeah. There's been a, the the documentary. I don't know anything about how films work. Okay, so mm-hmm. but apparently, if if you put out an independent film, which is what this is, you really have to go through a whole process of going through the film festival circuit. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she's been doing since last year. The first one was in New York City, so I went to that. Then there was Palm Springs next, and it's been a lot of places and. Some of them allowed streaming and some of them didn't. And some of them allow streaming only in certain states if you live close enough to that place. And some of them allowed it everywhere. But it, but it was like during this brief window of time. Mm-hmm. So like I, I have an aunt who really wants to see this documentary and we've tried several times, but it just has not worked out because they couldn't get it to work on our computer or her grandson said, OK, yes, I'll, I'll download the movie now and then you can watch it. But that's not how it worked. You had to actually stream it during that time period. Stuff like, so so she still has not got to see it, but yeah. hopefully very soon. Yeah. And uh, at, at this point in the, in the process, um, they did they are actually currently showing it in, in theaters in three cities, Los Angeles, New York and London as like, you know, and for I think a week in each place. So that's currently happening right now as, as we speak. And hopefully if that's successful, they'll be able to run it some more in, in theaters and other places. And then after that, it they, it will somehow be streamed. Either one of the major streaming uh, platforms will pick it up or they will probably figure out some independent way to stream it, which I don't have the details about that. So mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I just don't know. And I'm sure yeah. that'll be announced as soon as they do know anybody sure. that, that wants the latest news should sign up for their newsletter 
Yeah, I did. It's good. It's good. <laughs> they'll they'll send that out. 1946themovie.com. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. So they're they're working on on getting that done. And you know, it it's taken a lot of money. Rocky has invested basically her whole life savings in it and, mm. and people have been making donations, of course. And uh yeah, it's it's a lot. And um I wish this the process had been simpler because like people always every time they post on social media especially tiktok where they post a lot people are like when is this coming out i'm trying to find this when can i stream this you know uh-huh. and you know it's just like we don't know yet we don't know <laughs> yeah the buzz is definitely out there and and i but i still find people when i talk about it they're mm-hmm. like what is that what are you right. talking about right um at our local brewery they've been our brewery is is just so community oriented and just absolutely awesome and we have a place called rhino leap productions where they do films and 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 Mm -hmm. theater and and everything so they combined their resources and the brewery started hosting rhino leap to come in once a month and and we do open mic and people Mm -hmm. tell their stories and they wanted to build community and get people to hear each other's stories and build more community and so course i signed up because that's just a perfect place for me to be able to talk about being gay with god and my journey and i was just writing the memoir and i thought well bing i'm in so (laughs) so i've been doing it every month and and every time i tell a story somebody will come up afterwards and say something but it hasn't always been necessarily about being gay but most of it is because those are my stories but um Mm -hmm. And somebody will come up and say, I really appreciated that. I, I never thought about it that way or whatever. But the, but last night was the last night for the year. And three people came up to me afterwards. And I, I did a, a lot more about this is, you know, this is who I am. This is how mm-hmm. I felt all the way through growing up. And, and that if you were, if you're looking to see or thinking about, can I be gay with the God of my understanding Hell yes, you can. And they just exploded (laughs) (laughs) amongst some of the pinched lips, you know, and I, and I did say too, I said, you know, people think that, that we don't need help. And I said, but if you call yourself an ally, but we never see you in a march or we never hear you speaking ally words Mm -hmm. in support of us then that's not helpful. I said, my dream would be for you to be my ally and go back to your conservative church and please invite me and I will come. And I want you to stand up and tell your church (laughs) that you believe that homosexuality is not a sin. I said, just Mm -hmm. please invite me and I'll show up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, the three people that came up to me last night, one said that he needed that and he was in tears. and hugged me forever and then like did a quick exit I gave him a card so that he could call me if he needed support and then another lady had done a story too and she talked about how she went through the purity culture and she was like going to all these you know camps and stuff and she came up after and she said you and I need to connect and I need to know more about how you found a church that you could go to so we were able to talk and then another guy came up and said I'm not gay I hope I can have a seat. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. 
well, you can have a seat. <laughs> and, and he said, I'm just looking for places that I can be an ally and what can I do? And so it was just so cool. And I've mentioned the movie, you know, the documentary and those mm -hmm. in different things and people are coming up and like, what is that? What is that? And I'm like, I know it's been around and yet it's like, it fleets through. And that's why I'm giving so much time to it on the podcast is that I want it to be in my corner of the world. I want as many people to hear about it as they can. Because right, not right. only do I want everyone to see it, but I also want all of you guys that had a piece of this. I mean, you deserve to have this story out there in big numbers and you deserve to to get the credit that all of you deserve for putting it all together. Yeah, and that's and that's why I wanted to go deeper with you today, Tina, because you finding they could have told this story without finding, you know, Reverend right. David, but it would not have been as good that's and it true. would not have been as prevalent. I mean, it, this is that was the piece that made yeah. it all to have that human contact and for her to be able to interview him on that stage at the Reformation Project. That was just perfect to see him and to get the feel of him and to know mm -hmm. that this is still a live person, you know, even though by the time it comes out, you know, that's, you knew, and I talked about that, that, that there's always a reason why things happen the way they happen. And, you know, who knows what kind of pushback or, or um, fallout that would cause for, you know, David, but I'm just glad that he was able to get all the standing ovations and all the, I mean, mm -hmm. he was treated so well at, at yeah, that and, conference. Uh he he did live long enough to to see that it had premiered in new york and, and nice very successful it was um i believe it was the most viewed documentary ever of of that festival because mm. you know it, it streamed and uh they made it available to whoever you know i think it cost like 12 dollars or something at the time and so many people wanted to see it they originally had limited tickets but then they decided to make it unlimited and so nice. you know whoever happened to be paying attention and or knew about it at the time was able to mm -hmm. do that Except mm -hmm. my aunt who couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I, I love her so much, but you know, there's, it's confusing. Yep. Yep. Not her fault. No, no, fault. no, no. It's, it's all about the age that you were downloaded into and we were not downloaded. Right. I'm, I'm 64 well, and we did not have technology. Yeah. Well, my siblings who are, you know, roughly my age, a, a little older and, and younger, they had trouble figuring it out too. So it's, yeah, they did eventually, but yeah. Anyway, um, so so David lived to to know that that happened. And then he died right before the second showing, which was in Palm Springs. Mm. And Kathy and Rocky and Ed were all there. So they got the news while they mm. were there together. And I, I really think that, you know, he probably wanted them to be there to be able to support each other. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. in fact, he they're not even sure when he died because people didn't hear from him for a few days. And so someone did a wellness check and and found uh. him. Oh, but, you know, he was at his kitchen table slumped over. There was beer in his, his glass and the TV was on. So, you know, mm -hmm. probably he was watching the news and mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. Uh, and Kathy wrote a very detailed obituary form that ran oh. in the, the Los Angeles Blade and uh, definitely worth reading. Just uh, she had a friend who worked for the paper and they gave her the space to do that. So I, I know that nice. really helped her with her grief, too. Oh, Yeah. 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 So oh. yeah, you should put that in the show notes also so people can see that. Um Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm you know, when when it happened, when I found David and and that moment happened, I felt like everything in my life had been leading up to this moment. That's mm. really what it felt like because, you know, if 
if I hadn't moved back to Knoxville after college, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone to the MCC church and gotten mm -hmm. more interested in, you know, what this says, mm -hmm. the Bible says in the clobber verses, and they don't really mean that and, and so mm -hmm. on. And then if, if I hadn't moved to Rhode Island, then I wouldn't have met the adoptee that I met who got me into being a search angel and mm -hmm. just all these things. And mm -hmm. even Judith, I met her on an email list for gay Christians that has been around mm -hmm. since the 1990s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't have met her and I wouldn't have had anyone to ask all all this stuff. And and then Kathy, of course, mm -hmm. you know, if if I had not friended Kathy on Facebook after you know, seeing something about her from, from another page uh, mm -hmm. at the time, what she was doing at the time, there was, there was this group uh, truth wins out that fights against the so-called ex gay movement. And I was mm -hmm. following that. And mm -hmm. Kathy was in a contest to win free t-shirts and for her, her ministry at the time. And what she was doing was she was going to pride wearing a t-shirt that says hurt by church, get a straight apology here. <sighs> And, you know, basically listening nice. to people's stories and apologizing to them on behalf of yes. Christians. Oh, and wow. uh, I'm like, I love her. I have to be friends with her. So I, yeah. I sent a friend request and we did have some mutual friends at that point. So she accepted it. And then, you know, it went from there. And wow. I mean, I'm in the acknowledgments of her first book because <laughs> she was very funny what she wrote myself and a few other people. She's like, I threatened to unfriend them because they kept sending me, oh, Kathy, you have to see this. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to write the book. So <laughs> he actually uh, does detail my part of this in her upcoming book, which, you know, I think originally she she had kind of a different focus. But then when they found the letters and found David, that's what the focus of the book became about with all the historical context mm -hmm. that is in her presentation. So mm -hmm. there will be a section about me and how I found David. So Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, well done. Well Thank done, Miss Tina. Well done. I just think there there was a book that I read a bazillion trillion years ago called The Celestine Prophecy. Mm -hmm. And in that book, it talked about that there are no coincidences and that when you are open to being on a divine path, basically, that people show up when they're supposed to show up. They leave when either of you don't need each other anymore. And so that there, that the goodbyes that we go through are really sacred shifts mm -hmm. and that they're not really goodbyes as much as whatever we needed to learn from each other or one to the other, that time is over. And mm -hmm. I think it was, uh, I can't remember who he was. He was a, a spiritual leader. And he said one time he was, he was never married to his wife, but they had been together forever and forever and forever. And he said, well, we have a sacred pact mm -hmm. that as long as we are uh, spiritually in alignment and w that, um, that we're still having fun, we mm -hmm. will always be together. And when we're, we're not in spiritual alignment, or having fun, we will love it, lovingly walk away from one mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. And that was how they contracted their non-marriage was that we are spiritually aligned and we're having fun and we care about each other. And until that changes, we're sticking together. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I thought that was a beautiful way to say that because, you know, we're all here for someone and someone's here for us and we never know how long or short that might be. It might be a lifetime and it might be a day. Um, and every person that connected with you and you connected with them 
on behalf of this documentary, that was those windows of opportunity that were not coincidences, but I think it was divinely set out for how that could come together. Mm -hmm. It seems like it. Yeah. 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 That's a beautiful story. And you're a beautiful soul. Oh, thank you. You really are. And at, at, you know, it's hard to make those connections sometimes on, on zoom because you know, it's, a, it's, it's weird, but, um, but I can feel that from you, even, even across the zoom, <laughs> thank you. you you're very genuine and you're very compassionate and you are fierce when it comes to search angel work, girl. <laughs> you, I mean, I know you had some stumps along the way and some pauses, but you're, you just dig, dig, dig. You don't give up. You just come up with one more, one more thing, one more possibility. If I give up, it really can't be done. Yeah. With my yeah. resources. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, and that's always, everything's an answer, even knows an answer. So why wouldn't somebody need to be found or why couldn't you? There's always a reason because if they needed to be, they would have been. And if they don't need to be, I don't think they are. So, you know, everything everything really does get the answer that it, that it needs to have. Although we don't like the nose. I don't like nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I appreciate you very much. I'm, I'm sure that we'll find another reason to talk. I don't know what it will be, but <laughs> we'll come up with something. Sure. <laughs> but I do appreciate you. And well, thank you. You are very welcome. As we end today, is there anything else that I haven't asked you or that we haven't talked about that you think is important uh, to bring up about this documentary or, or anything that's relevant to today's discussion? Um, just, you know, I encourage people to follow them on, on social media and subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, they seem to be the most active on TikTok. So, uh, and also Instagram, Facebook, not as much, but, mm -hmm. uh, but there, you know, you should definitely follow them on there and, to get the very latest news, subscribe to their email newsletter because that's when they send it out, uh, you know, whatever's the newest. And uh, yeah, follow Kathy. She's she's terrific, too. And uh, her book will hopefully be coming out uh, early in, in the coming year. I, you know, she's been working on it. Her mom died, so that obviously derailed her for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then she got COVID at some point too. So, you know, um, just the pandemic has messed a lot of things up as we know, but, mm -hmm. but she's doing great work and uh, yeah, just follow them. And uh, you know, there's a lot of other good resources out there. There's other documentaries, not specifically about the translation mm -hmm. thing, but there's, there's one called for the Bible tells me. So maybe mm. that one, I don't know. Um, I think the, one of the people who was involved in making that documentary also helped some with Rocky's documentary. Okay. So, okay. so yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there and uh, educate yourself and it'll, it'll help. You'll feel better. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I had done an episode on the documentary God and gaze a while back and, and Kim Clark helped do that one. And then she wrote the, she's the one that wrote the forward of my book because oh. we, we became connected. And then I found out that she was actually a publisher purpose author. Oh. <laughs> so, no coincidence. So, mm -hmm. so I found her and, and had her on the podcast and, and did the documentary that she had done years and years and years ago. And so this is, this is just awesome. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a gift of love for everybody that gets into this work and that wants to spread the good news and, and continue to open doors instead of close them for people who want a relationship with the mm -hmm. God of their understanding. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. And you're welcome. Yes. 
So everybody, thank you for listening and subscribing and sharing. Uh, we are so excited here at the Gay with God household that, um, you know, we are getting good numbers. We really, really are. And we're not just local. We are we are across the world. We have people in really weird countries following us. and I'm not, I don't always know how that happens, but I'm so excited to see people. Yeah, I was really excited to see Florida and Texas coming on. It's like, yes, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. But, but you know, we're we're global. And I'm really happy about that. And I'm, I'm happy that you guys are making that happen. So I appreciate it. Uh, check out our Facebook group, Gay with God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. And this month, we're going to be actually doing some of um, some Advent work, and we're going to talk about some of the meditations that Richard Rohr uh, did in his cool little meditation book for Advent. And I have started the book club for Gay with God. We had our first little book club meeting last uh, week, and it went really well. And so we're going to be doing that first group uh, and close them out. And then if you want to be a part of the Gay with God book club and have me actually host it with you so that you can ask me questions as we go through the chapters or ask me all the stuff that's happening new <laughs> with uh, family relations and all that, um, get the book. Uh, you can get the book at gaywithgod.com and I will sign the copy and mail it to you. So if you, and you can also get it on Amazon and bookshop.org and all sorts of other places. So get the book, read the book, so you'll know what to ask me. <laughs> and as always, if you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay with God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay with God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay with God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.